and the number of those that were slain where in okay, Shushan, that's where Shushan, that's where the palace is, was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, the Jews have, talk to me, have what? Slain and how many? 500 men in Shushan the palace. And the 10 sons of who? Good guy, bad guy. Bad guy. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? <laughs> now, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. Or what is thy request? What? In other words, what else you want? Come on now. You got to trust God when you have nothing if you want your requests to be asked when you can have everything. What's your request further? And it shall be done. Then said Esther, if it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews which are in Shushan to do tomorrow also according unto this day's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be, hang, sons be hanged upon the gallows, right? King commanded it so to be done. And the decree was given at what? Shushan hanged Haman's ten sons. Now look at verse 15. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day of the month Adar and slew how many? 300 men at Shushan. Next statement. But on the prey they what? We talk about that. But the other Jews, that means not all of them lived in the capital, not all of them lived where the palace was. Some other Jews, the Bible says, that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes. How many? Y'all start off good. He died off. Seventy and five thousand. Next statement. But they laid not their hands on their prey. Let the church say amen. And some of you say, I'm not going to say amen. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> say amen because it's the word of God. Amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Use the Bible in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We have called this point of our lesson the experienced position. The experienced position. Now, I'm going to tell you why I've labeled it as that. Because some believers sometimes hear the word of God in prospect. Let me put it this way. They have heard the word of God by expectation, but they don't wait on God long enough to understand the word of God by experience. Listen to me. Expectation requires faith. Listen, you have to have faith to believe it's coming. Right? But experience requires patience. See, you got to have faith to trust God that it's coming, but you have, have to have patience to be faithful so that it will come. We could put it this way. Expectation requires faith, but experience requires faithfulness. 
And we are witnessing Mordecai, Esther, and all of the Jews move from expectation to experience, but it's because their faith had faithfulness. Listen to me, it's so important tonight, beloved. So many of us are good at quoting scripture, we're good at claiming promises, we're good at saying what the Bible says, we are Bible thumpers, we, we say we, we, we have these cliches, we have these sound bites, we keep quoting these verses, my God, just apply all my need, the enemy shall not touch me, he'll bless me from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, all things work together for good, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. World. He that performed, uh, began good work and we were performing until the day of Jesus Christ. We quote it, 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 but we never lived the Christian life long enough to experience it. And so we're talking about an Esther 1 and 2 and 3, but this Esther doesn't end with 3 and 4 and 5. Listen, we got to get to Esther chapter 9 where Mordecai and Esther are actually experienced what they claimed God would do chapters ago. I wonder if there is a believer today who's been faithful enough to the work of God for all these years. You are actually experiencing in your Christian life what you expected years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, that's when our faith begins comes sight. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just tell us a good story to keep us smiling? He tells us a good story that if we'll be faithful, it will actually come to pass. So the beginning of this story doesn't start well. We start with a ruler who ends up hiring a wicked man who's a picture of the devil who puts out a plot on God's people. There's a bounty on their head. Uh, One of the people that there's a bounty on their head happens to be the queen. The king doesn't know she's a Jew. He signed a decree to kill all of the Jews. Mordecai, her guardian, is the one that makes Haman mad and Haman's going to kill all of them and he builds these gallows to destroy them and it looks like the bad guys are winning but as our theme of this book tells us, God is doing Doing what? Working behind the scenes. Talk to me. God is doing what? Working behind. One more time. God is doing what? Now somebody came to church tonight that needs to go back home and pick your head up because God is working behind the scene. And these things that were written aforetime, the Bible tells us, were written for our learning. That we through faith might be able to experience them. In other words, God said, I told you what happened in the Bible so you will remember it in 2023 that I'm still, listen to me, there's a lot that has changed. We ain't wearing sandals. We we don't have the uh, Passover. There are not all kinds of laws that are going on. It's a different day. I'm not up here spitting in clay and putting it on people's eyes. There's a lot that happened in the Bible that's not happening now. But there's one thing in the Bible that is still now, and that's God. He's still God. So Esther chapter 9 is an experienced position, a fateful arrival, a fateful, F-A-T-E-F-U-L. It actually comes to pass, a focused assembly. Everybody gets together, free-hearted assistance. People join in to get involved, a fearful association. When they hear about the Jews, they get nervous. Listen to me. God has so moved on the behalf of the Jews that the people that were about ready to be destroyed are now scaring everybody in the king. Listen to me. Tell you something. When God shows up on your behalf, people be afraid of you. There's an association with the Jews that had never happened before. Now listen to me. I'm talking to a believer tonight 
who, because of your circumstances, you're living in fear. Come on, listen to me. You're living in fear. You're worried about somebody doing you wrong. You're worried about somebody destroying you. You're worried about persecution. You're oppressed by enemies. The devil's on your back. You're going through trials that you've never had before. There's some uncertainty ahead of you that you don't know what's going to happen. You can't pay your bills. The doctor's telling you something that doesn't look right. Everybody that you've turned to has not been able to help you. And the prospect of destruction is in front of you. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you, if you will stay faithful to the Lord, the people that used to scare you will be afraid of you. That's what happened. There was a fear. And it wasn't that everywhere the Jews walked around, people it, it, Listen, God produced a fear of his people because they knew that his people were associated with him. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't want people to fear us because we're big, because we're strong, because we're black, because we're white, because we're this, that. No, no. We want people to fear us because we're associated with God. They fear us because they fear God. There's a famed ascension happening. With Mordecai and Esther. But tonight, here's what I want you to write down. There's a forceful annihilation happening. Just a few verses I want you to ponder tonight. There's a forceful annihilation happening. Literally, there's going to be a wiping out of those that were trying to destroy the Jews. Now, please listen carefully tonight. If you're living as a Christian in any age, if you're living as a Christian in this culture today, mark it down on your calendar. There are going to be moments where you feel like you're under attack and that somebody is trying to destroy you. Now, what are you going to do? Listen to me. The smartest Christian in the building tonight, the most godly person at Crossroads Baptist Church is not strong enough to defeat your enemies. The devil doesn't run because of what church you go to. Demons don't flee because of how long you've been saved. You can't sing a song that everybody claps to in here and expect Beelzebub and Belial to run because you sing it. But there's something about the God that we serve who knows how to annihilate our opposition. So I want you to notice this forceful annihilation. If you're taking notes tonight, first of all, there's enemy removal. Verse number 12, 500 men in Shushan, 10 sons of Haman destroyed. Look at verse number 14. They hanged Haman's 10 sons, 15. 300 men at Shushan and then 16, 70 and 5,000. It just blows my mind how one move of God changes everything. Now, look at me tonight. Eyes up here. How much do you think has to happen for things to turn around in your life? Because here's what the, the, the flesh does. The flesh gets depressed. Listen, look, listen. I, t- tell you, I tell you what's wrong with us as Christians. We reach into the future and borrow depression. We borrow it. There are Christians in the building tonight that have already gone ahead to next month and decided to be depressed now about something that ain't even happened. And we borrow depression from the future because the flesh longs to be pessimistic, to be negative. 
It's going to be terrible. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be, it's, listen. Now, if we were to talk some sense into ourselves, and listen to me, sometimes the only person to talk sense into you is you because you're the only person with you all the time. So sometimes you got to check you. I, can, I need to talk to the past. Past need to put me in place. Past will only see you for a little bit. You need to learn how to put your own self in place. And you need to tell yourself, self, you're talking crazy. Listen to me. When you borrow depression from the future, you are not only contradicting scripture, you're contradicting your own testimony. Because enough has happened to you in the past with God on your side to tell you if he did it before, he will do it again. So we borrow depression from the future and we tell ourselves it's bad, it's terrible, it's, 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 it's going to be crazy and everything's going to go wrong. And because we start borrowing, borrowing all of this depression from the future, we can't function right now. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you that God intervened in just one situation all of remember there was just one banquet that led to another and finally Haman comes Esther speaks up one time the king finds out what in the world and just like that the king who had signed off for the demise of the Jews is now signing on for the deliverance of the Jews Oh, pastor, there's so much going on. I've got so much stress in my life. There's so much going wrong. I got this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, that wrong, this wrong. I went to the doctor about this. My bills are doing this, this situation. I got this call about this. I got this call about this. I just got a list that lists so long, lists so long. So I'm asking you, it may be long to you. God just had to do one thing, turn everything around. It's a faith problem. It's a faith problem. And so, so pastor, when I start borrowing from the future to be depressed, how do I train my mind to stop thinking about my demise and start claiming my deliverance? Listen, you've got to do the same thing you just said. The problem is not that you're having a rehearsal. The problem is you're rehearsing the wrong things. So instead of rehearsing how bad it's going to be, I've got to rehearse how good God is. And I've got to claim his promises. And this is what happened. This is why Mordecai told Esther, fast and go, and we're going to fast, and you go before the king. This is why God told Mordecai, you go speak up. Listen to me. He didn't say, Esther, speak up because we ain't going to make it. He said, Esther, speak up because when we do make it, we want you to be a part of it. He said, our deliverance is going to come from somewhere, but if it does, you're going to miss out on it. Maybe, Esther, God brought you to the palace for such a time. Listen, I'm just trying to tell somebody tonight that, that you just mark down on your calendar that everything is going. I want to try to tell you something. I hate, to, I hate to, to mess up your pity party and I hate to unschedule your depression session, but I'm here to tell you, unbeknownst to you, it is forecast. God is going to win. He's going to win. So you might as well sign on to the right forecast and stop watching the foolishness of the devil. And God, it's not whether God's going to win. It's whether you believe him enough so that when he does win, you get to celebrate with him. That's what it's all about. This is what he's saying to Esther. And Esther chapter 9 is the culmination of that. It is the fulfillment of that. It is the arrival of that. And just, just a few verses, just a few chapters before, it is already written out in law that the Jews are going to die. But in chapter number 9, not only are the Jews not dying, the Jews are ordering the death of their enemies. Enemy removal. Write this down in your notes. Enjoyed rest. Pastor, you're in my business tonight. I hope so. I tell you, those of you that I was just talking to, those of you tuning in tonight from home, in the middle of a mess, 
I'm not, listen, when I say scheduled depression in the future, I do not mean to belittle real trials. How many of you know that trials are real? But here's the thing, why we don't borrow depression from the future. Because as real as trials are, God is. So when somebody tells you trust the Lord, they're not saying that your trials aren't, trials aren't real. They're just saying that God is realer. That's what we're saying. Well, you just don't know what I mean. When you tell me to trust God, you make it seem like I don't have trials. And when you don't trust God, you make it seem like God's not real. So, 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 so when we talk about enjoyed rest, enjoyed rest, look back at the text again, please. The Bible tells us in verse number 12, the Jews have slain 500. The 10 sons of Haman are killed. Now, verse number 15, the Jews were at Shushan, gathered on the 14th and slew 300. Look at verse 16. The Jews that were in the king's prophets gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, stood for their lives. By the way, you can stand for your life when God's standing with you. And had rest from their enemies. Now, listen to what I'm talking about. For those who are borrowing Depression from the future, from the future, for those who are living in fear, for those who are letting your circumstances be bigger than your God. Listen to me now. With that comes a lack of rest. You cannot rest in fear. You hear me? Go to sleep in a hotel that got bugs all in it. And see if you sleep. Okay? Sir, wake up in the middle of the night, hear a noise downstairs, and your wife goes, I heard something. And you say, well, I didn't hear nothing. I'm going back to sleep. It don't matter if you heard, didn't hear nothing. If she heard something, she ain't sleeping. And if she don't sleep, you ain't sleeping. Because, listen to me, fear robs rest. Fear robs rest. Listen, believer. That's why God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He's not expecting you to live in fear. By the way, let me give you another one that robs rest. Not only does fear rob rest, fretting robs rest. Fear means I'm scared. Fretting means I'm worried. You can't sleep when you're worried. You can't eat when you're worried. Some of you say, yes, I can. <laughs> Some of you say, I eat more when I'm worried. <laughs> well, that's another reason why you need to get your worry together. You're going to be big as a house, all right? Here, get your worry together. Okay? Fretting and fear rob worry. But when God wipes them out, rest comes. Are you watching the sequence? Enemy removal. Enjoyed rest. Here's where I'm closing tonight. The two phrases at the end of these two verses. Let's look at them again. There they are at the end of verse 15 and 16. The Bible says they slew 300 at Shushan. The Bible says they slew 70 and 5,000 in the rest of the provinces. Shushan where the palace is, the rest of the provinces where the rest of them were. God killed their enemies in both places. But here's the verse I want you to get and then we'll go home. The phrase, but on, but on the prey, they laid not their hand. Verse number 16, but they laid not their hands on the prey. I just jumped out at me in my study. Here it is. They killed the people, but didn't touch their stuff. 
They killed the people but didn't touch their stuff. Now watch this now. That shows that there were winners on God's side who won without the spirit of revenge. You know what revenge say? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your wallet, your shoes, your sunglasses, your family, your Chick-fil-A sandwich, everything on you. I'm going to take. When you can beat somebody and leave their stuff alone, it shows you were not bitter against the person. You just wanted deliverance from God. And I want to talk to the, to the body of Christ tonight and ask you, what kind of a winner are you? We spend, too much, we spend so much time talking about sore losers. We need to talk about sore winners. When, when God turns things around on your enemies, and you become the head and not the tail. Do you knock them down, kick them, and strip them to? Or are you able to say, I'm not whooping you to get your stuff. Hey, hey watch yourself. When you strip people of their stuff after you're whooping them, you act so desperate like you don't have anybody to take care of you. When you win and don't touch people's stuff, you're basically saying, I didn't beat you. God delivered me, and I don't need your stuff. He's going to take care of me. Right. Enemy removal. Enjoyed rest. Expressive restriction. Put that down in your notes. Their restriction, when they won, said a lot. And ladies and gentlemen, what you restrict from doing when you win, oftentimes, is much more expressive than what you do. Am I listening? Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. See, we are so busy tuning our horns about how good of a Christian we are because of what we do. Sometimes our Christianity speaks louder of what we don't do. Oh, I'm such a good Christian. Look at all I did. Look, look at what them enemies tried to do to me. Now look at what God did to them. And I'm going to make them pay for it. No, 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 no. What you restrict from doing, even though you have power to do it, speaks more loudly than what you do. May God help us. By the way, when you're doing all of that, you make it seem like you're the one that produced the victory. When you restrict and say, I don't need their stuff. You know why? I didn't do the victory anyway. God did it. Because all along the way, God was working behind the scenes. Our Father, I pray, God, that you help us and strengthen us. Sometimes we are the most 
merciless, ruthless, spiteful, vindictive, revengeful people on planet Earth. And if anybody had reason to be angry, it was Mordecai, Esther, and the Jews. And yet, they slew 300, slew 75,000, but lay not their hands on their prey. God, if we trust you enough to deliver us, then we ought to trust you enough to provide for us too. All over the building. Pastor, God has spoken to my heart tonight. Would you raise your hand all over the building? God bless you. And you and you and you. Listen, come on now. We, we just get to that point. Get them, God. Get them. Get them. And get them, God, because once you get them, I can get all they got. It's not the mind of Christ. Lord, thank you. We love you. We bless you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name.